How are you doing? Great. Hold on. I'm going to go get this thing right over here. Walk with me, will you? Hey, my name is Ryan Suzuki. I'm one of the pastors here at Three Crosses, and we just, just want to thank you for being here this morning and being with us during this Christmas season. It's, it is one of my most, it's my most exciting part of my year. I look forward to it every single year, just an opportunity to celebrate, because Christmas is a time, it's supposed to be a time of great joy. It's supposed to be a time where we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, the birth of Jesus Christ. It's a time where we, maybe you're looking forward to something like that. Maybe you're looking forward to a family meal, a gathering. Maybe you're looking forward to a Christmas table in a couple weeks here. You're looking forward to that or maybe an event here at church or some gifts. Maybe some of you are anticipating like a gift under that tree that you've been looking forward to. I've seen some students in this, like just looking forward to that thing. Like you see that wrapped box, like I think I know what that is and I'm going to like it. We have all these things that we look forward to. Maybe you've spent some time ice skating out on the, on the rink out there. How many of you have been to the ice skating rink yet? It's awesome. And also painful. Isn't that so painful to skate? It just hurts your ankles. And, and ice is the hardest surface in the universe. Am I, like, am I right about that? Anyway, we loved it. We were there yesterday. My kids are going crazy. It's amazing. It's a season that's supposed to be of joy. But sometimes I think for some of us, even as we're talking about this joyous season of Christmas, you might even be thinking right now some reasons that you're not entirely joyful. Maybe sometimes this season brings out some hard things in your life, or it makes you remember some difficult times. Or maybe it's bringing some feelings of grief or loss. You're mourning something that doesn't exist anymore. I was thinking about it even for my life. I was telling you, I love Christmas. I love it. And what I love most about it is I love the time I get with my family. Christmas and my family, it's like everyone gathered together growing up. We were at my parents' house, we were at my grandparents' house, all the grandparents were there, aunts and uncles, cousins, everyone was there. But in this last season, that's been changing. You know, I had the pleasure and the gift from God of having all four of my grandparents into my 30s. That's a gift. But even in these last, but that's something that can't last forever. And I even think about these last five, six, seven years, how even the Christmas table has changed. Feels like every year there's one less person at the table. Some of them have passed away. Sometimes an illness has prevented someone from being there. There's a difficulty. Or sometimes, you know, sometimes like there's people that aren't at the table that are kind of the glue people that get everyone together. So even in this season, I love Christmas, but I'm just thinking about the meal I'm going to have a couple weeks, that gathering at my parents' house. Actually, this year it's at my house. And there's going to be some missing folks there, people that I love, that I miss. Uh, we gather, my team gathers up uh, here at church about once a month, and we kind of do a little check-in. We talk about what's happening in ministry and in our work, and there's always like a personal check-in, what's going on in your life. And this month, I thought was going to be the light, fun question of, what are your Christmas plans? What's happening for Christmas? And there was a lot of great plans. There was trips, there was meals, there was family time, there was all sorts of good things. The thing that kind of surprised me, maybe it shouldn't have, there was also a lot of tears around that room as we went and talked about what was happening. There was some grief, there was some mourning about a Christmas that they missed, the people that they missed, the traditions that they missed, we're grieving the loss of. Maybe for you, even in this time, like when we're talking about this, you're thinking about your table. You're thinking about that family gathering or whatever it is, and you're thinking about Maybe some empty chairs. Some people that you've lost, they're not going to be there. Some people who have chosen not to be there. 
Maybe it brings up some of these emotions. And so even for us, as we think about this time, a time that's supposed to be of great joy, we ask that question, where can we find joy in a broken world? Where can we find joy even in the midst of the brokenness of our own lives? And where can we see the redeeming power of God and rejoice with what God has done and is doing, even in the midst of pain and suffering? Well, this morning, we're going to be able to take some time and look at the book of Ruth. So if you have, you can grab a Bible in front of you. We're going through the entire book of Ruth. It's in the Old Testament. It's four chapters, and we're going to go through that. But in the book of Ruth, we're going to see this power and this theme of redemption. That's the theme of Ruth, redemption. As Pastor Danny was talking about, we've been going through this sacred scandal series, looking at the life and the people of the lineage of Jesus. And really, it is a story of redemption, of how God uses these people, redeems their stories to bring forth the king, his own son. And in Ruth, the book of Ruth, we meet this, this person, the titular character, Ruth, who in the midst of her own great tragedy, in the midst of her own sadness, her loneliness and pain, becomes a conduit of God's redeeming power. And she finds herself going from an out, being an outsider to being in the lineage of kings, even the king of kings, Jesus the Christ. So this morning, if you're looking for joy in the midst of this season, if you're looking for joy in the midst of your suffering, what you need is redemption. And we're going to find it today in Ruth's story and in yours. God is redeeming. Let's pray as we open God's word. So Lord God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for a story of this person, Ruth, your beloved, faithful daughter, a woman who stepped out in faith and in courage, knowing that you, God, Lord God, are a redeemer. So Lord, for each and every one of us this morning, we all are in need of redemption. We all are in need of your power. We're all in need of your love, grace, and mercy so we can experience joy in this season. So Lord, we pray that you'd be with us and bless us, that you would show us your redeeming power this morning. You'd bring joy in the midst, even in the midst of hardship and suffering. So Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ruth starts is set in the book, uh, in the time of the judges. Many of you, maybe you've read Judges, maybe it's been a while, maybe you've never read it, but Judges, uh, what we need to know about Judges comes from the last verse of that book. It's going to be up on the screen for you, but let me read it for you. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. This is where Ruth finds herself. This is the time of the Judges was a time of great rebellion of God's people, where God's people continually turned from God to follow other gods, to follow the way that seemed right in their own eyes. And even though, as the author of Judges points out, there's no king, a human king on the throne, Israel actually had a king in heaven. The Lord God Almighty was their king, and yet the people of Israel did not worship him as king, did not serve him as king, did not, was not mindful of him as a king, and they did their own thing. So you see in the judges, there's this pattern of where the people rebel against God, that they're oppressed and attacked by foreign nations. They're under a period of great suffering. God is bringing discipline to them to remind them that he is king. The people finally fall on their faces. God, help us. Will you rescue us? And God, in his great mercy, his great loving kindness, his great compassion and his redemptive love brings deliverance to his people only for the people to rebel against God 
again. It's a cycle that happens over and over in the book of Judges. And that's where we find Ruth. That's where we find the book of Ruth. And you're going to hear some of those themes echoed. But we're going to start Ruth chapter 1 in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem, the same Bethlehem we were singing about this morning in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, which by the way means, my God is king. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. You see, meet this family, Elimelech, Naomi, Mahlon, Kilion. They're living in Bethlehem in the season of great suffering because of a famine. And they go and do something pretty desperate. They go and move to the land of Moab, the country of God's enemies, the enemies of Israel. God had expressly told his people not to live with foreigners like the Moabites. And yet, out of their desperation, maybe you can relate to being in a desperate situation, they defy God's law, they defy his commands, and they go and live in this foreign land, hopeful to find relief from hunger. Continuing in verse 3, Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Even in this moment, they move to this foreign land, and Elimelech dies, leaving his wife, Naomi, a widow. They married, the two sons married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they'd lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Even the sons of Elimelech and Naomi, they go and do something else, which God had called his people expressly not to do. Don't live with them and do not intermarry with the enemies of God, with these nations that oppress you, with these nations that are stand against the God of Israel. And yet they do this thing. And after about 10 years, they too pass away. And you look at Naomi's story. She moved from a def- desperate circumstance of famine only to end up childless, a widow. You look at Orpah and Naomi, they're left without husbands. They too are widows. And it's a desperate situation. It's a really sad situation. And in the midst of this, Naomi decides it's time to go home. It's time to go back to Bethlehem. It's time to leave this place and go somewhere else. And on the way, before she leaves, she gathers her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, and says, listen, you don't need to come with me. There's nothing for you in my land. You don't want to be a foreigner. You don't want to be an outsider. You don't want to be an outcast, a widow in Israel. Why don't you just go back home? Why don't you go back to your parents' house? Why don't you go back to your villages so that you might, maybe you'll meet someone. Maybe you can remarry. Maybe you can still have a life. Maybe you can still have a family and children. And Orpah, she loves her mother-in-law. She cares about her. But through tears, she sees the wisdom in what Naomi's telling her. And she decides, okay, I'm going to go back home. And we totally understand where Orpah is coming from, that she wants to go back home in the hopes of a hope and a future. But Ruth, Ruth is cut from a different cloth. Ruth sees something and she wants to grasp hold of it. Maybe like Rahab last week, Ruth saw her need for change, but Ruth responds in a completely different way, a stepping out in faith and dedication and commitment. But Ruth replied, 
Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and, I will, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Ruth, in this moment, she recognizes and steps out in faith. She says, no, Naomi, I'm going to remain faithful to you. Naomi, I'm going to, I've lost a husband. I've lost my father-in-law. Now I've lost my sister-in-law. She's going home. I'm willing to lose even more to have something better, to have something new. I'm going to leave behind my homeland, my people, my family, my, my gods of the Moabites, and I'm coming with you to be a part of your people, to worship your God. She even evokes the divine name. When you see Lord in all capital letters, that's the divine name, Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty. She goes. She steps out in faith. You see, if you're a note taker, what we see from, from Ruth's life right here, Ruth saw her need for redemption. Ruth saw her need for redemption. Even in that moment of grief and loss and pain and suffering, Ruth saw that she needed something different and new, and she needed redemption. When you look at that, you're probably familiar with that word. You've heard it here in church. But when we talk about redeeming, to redeem is to pay the price in order to get rescue and transformation. To pay the price to bring, in order to bring rescue or transformation. Ruth saw in the midst of this dark moment in her life that she needed redemption. She needed rescue. She needed transformation. She needed something different and was willing to do whatever it took to reach out and to receive it, to take hold of it. And even in this moment, just think about this. I mean, we don't, let's not breeze past this. Naomi, I'm with you. These aren't just trite words. These aren't just like a little thing that she said. She meant it. Your people will be my people. I'm going to the people of God, the Israelites. Your God will be my God, leaving behind what she knew in order to meet with the Lord. It's incredible, leaving all of those things behind. And so Naomi, she relents and they travel back to Bethlehem. And you can imagine the scene, Naomi coming into town and the people see her. It's a small town. People will remember her. She was a family member. She had all sorts of people in this town that knew her. You imagine that she's coming in. Hey, is that Naomi? We haven't seen her in about a decade. Where's Elimelech? Where's her two sons? And who's this foreign woman that's traveling with her? You can imagine the scene. They gather in the town square. They're greeting her like, Naomi, what are you doing here? What's happening? What's going on? And Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Naomi means pleasant. She said, instead, call me Mara, which means bitter. For God has made my life bitter. Maybe you can relate to Naomi. Maybe you can relate to that pain. Some of us in this room have experienced the kind of pain that Naomi experienced. A grievous loss. Some of us have lost loved ones, a husband, a child, someone that we care deeply about. And the Lord knows. He's not, even, he's not repelled even by what Naomi's saying. There's an invitation. It's interesting, Naomi and Ruth are set as 
kind of like to contrast one another. Naomi has become bitter because of the circumstances of her life. She's lost a sense of hope, sense of purpose, and all these different things. We can relate to Naomi. But we also have Ruth. Ruth has also experienced incredible loss and has chosen to lose even more to take hold of redemption. And in the same way, she steps out and becomes this model of faithfulness, this model of trusting in the Lord God Almighty. So maybe you are in some of those situations today. Maybe you're in that place like Naomi. Maybe you're in that place like Ruth. Maybe you found yourself in desperate need of redemption. Maybe there's a situation, a relationship, a thought process, a pattern of behavior in your life that you know needs redemption. And you know that you can't fix it on your own. You can't do it on your own, in your own power. And you need someone greater than you to bring transformation. You need the redeeming power of the Lord God Almighty, like Ruth did. And even for her, maybe it's for her, she stepped out in faith and trusted in the Lord. Maybe for you today, maybe your marriage needs redemption. Some of us in this room, you might be experiencing just You've tried everything, you've gone to counseling, you've tried to make it work, and it's not working. You cannot fix it on your own. Maybe you need the redeeming power of God. Maybe, you're a chi- maybe your child is wayward, or you have a strained relationship with your parent. Maybe you're not going to be at a Christmas dinner coming up because of a relationship that is broken, that needs redemption. You need the redeeming power of God in your life. Maybe it's in your workplace or in your bank account where you're working hard, you have a job, you're doing all that you can do, but you can't make ends meet. It feels desperate. Maybe it's a season of famine like Elimelech and his family were experiencing. You need redemption. You need God to step in and provide where you cannot provide for yourself. Maybe it's an addiction, a pattern of behavior that's destroying your physical health, that's destroying your relational life, and just consuming all of you. You've tried everything. You cannot break the cycle. You need redemption. You need rescue and transformation. We see this in Ruth's life. She recognized this need, and she faith just stepping out in faith, like so many people in the scriptures, leaving everything she knew in order to take hold of the promised redemption of God. And we see what God starts doing even from the beginning. Even from the beginning, God begins redeeming her story by providing for Ruth's needs. So they get into town and we find out that they have a place to live. So Naomi and Ruth, they have a roof over their head. God's provided them shelter. We don't know how that was, but they have a home. The next thing, she has to find some way to provide for her mother-in-law and for herself to feed themselves. And so Naomi says, hey, you know what? There's actually one of my late husband's family members that lives in town. He owns a farm. Why don't you go work in his fields and gather grain? And Ruth, a faithful woman of God, a faithful, someone who just obeys and follows and listens to the call of God in her life, who sees the story of God's redemption, she goes out to the field to gather grain. And it says that she gleaned in the fields. Maybe you've heard that word gleaning. It, talks, it speaks to this law that God gave to the people of Israel to provide for the poor, the foreigner, and the widow. What would happen, what gleaning was, is as people were harvesting in the field, whatever crop they were harvesting, anything that fell to the ground was off limits to the harvesters. Once it hit the ground, it belonged to the gleaners. 
It was this way of God providing for his people. So someone like Ruth could come in and get, gather up all the leavings on the ground. And so Ruth is there at first. She's on the outskirts of the field and she's just picking through the grain faithfully day in, day out. She's gathering, she's feeding her mother-in-law, feeding herself. And we see God's provision in that. And in the midst of her hard work, of her efforts, people begin to notice. It's notable. Who is this woman? Who is this Moabite, this foreigner, someone who normally would be an enemy of an Israelite? She's out there working day in, day out, gathering for herself and her mother-in-law. It's, it's surprising to people, and they take note. In fact, even Boaz, the owner of the field, the family member of Elimelech, he takes notice. Hey, what's going on with her? Tell me about her. Tell me about this woman. They tell her about who Ruth is, that she's this foreigner, that she's providing for her mother-in-law. And there's something that Boaz sees. He sees the faithfulness of Ruth. He sees her trust in the redeeming power of God and it stirs something up inside of him. And he says, call her to me. Let, bring her over here. And she come, Ruth comes up to him and, you know, you can imagine the scene, scene. It's like, hi, I'm Boaz. You know, nice to meet you. I, he starts to like, it's kind of like the meet cute in a rom-com, you know, when the, the leads meet, the romantic leads. He starts to he says, like, actually, like, Ruth, I've seen all these things about you. I've seen how hard you work. How about this? Why don't you, instead of going on the edge of the field, go right behind the young men as they're harvesting, and so you get, like, you're in pole position. You get the most stuff. You can glean all that you want. You get the best things. It's better than a bouquet of roses. It's better than a box of chocolates. It's better than, like, a like on Instagram, if that's still a thing. Um, I don't use social media. But Ruth, she's surprised. Ruth is this kind of paragon, this example of humility, of faithfulness. And she says to him, like, why have I found such favor in your eyes? Why do you even give me this great gift for me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told about all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland, and you came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord... Repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It's this incredible moment where, he see, where we see this kind of provision of God in Ruth's life. She comes from a total outsider at the edge of the field. Then she grows in, her, in the eyes of the people who see her. They see something about her. They see her faithfulness. They see her righteousness. They see the redeeming power of God in her life, the way she cares for her mother-in-law, even as a foreigner, as a daughter-in-law. Boaz sees these things, and we begin to get the hint of a greater redemption, this burgeoning romance, this love story that's being unfolding right before our eyes. We see God's provision and that God is already even out of sadness, even out of death, even out of leaving your whole family, your people behind, God is bringing redemption. He's reweaving that which is broken. Now, the story right here, I mean, if we ended right here, it'd be kind of sad, right? It'd be kind of a bummer if we stopped with like, and then Ruth just gleaned in the field for the rest of her lives and had this weird will-they-won't-they relationship with Boaz. And they lived... 
they lived ever after, that'd be a sad ending to the story. It wouldn't be satisfying. And maybe some of us are in that gleaning period. Maybe some of you, you're coming out of a season of grief or you're in the season of grief and God is just providing for your needs. You know that he's there. You know that he's taking care of you, but it's just the kind of drudgery of that day by day. God, when is, you're looking for that greater, bigger, fuller redemption. Sure that Ruth had some of those days out in the field she's gathering, like, is there more than this? And in those seasons, it can be easy to kind of turn your eyes from God, but we see in Ruth's life, she remains faithful, faithful, faithful. And you know why? It's because she sees that God is at work. She sees that God is redeeming each and every day. And that Ruth, the foreigner, the Moabite, the outsider, she becomes the symbol of faithfulness because she sees the faithfulness of God in your life, in her life. And so for you, for us today, God is the same God then as he is today. He is still a redeemer and he is still faithful. So if you're a note taker, we see this in Ruth's life. God is faithful to us and we can trust him. I have to imagine that's why Ruth's out there every single day. She trusts that God is going to continue to redeem, to provide, to care, and to do this thing over and over again. And we see that throughout scripture. Over and over again, God provides for the needs of his people and he redeems, he redeems, he redeems, he changes, he transforms, he rescues. He is faithful. We can trust him. In your own life, you've seen God be faithful. You can trust him. He's redeemed, transformed, and rescued. I was thinking about someone in my life that reminds me of Ruth. Uh, my wife and I, we have a friend, and she's, she's part of our church. An incredible woman of incredible, steadfast faith. In the last few years, she's gone through a very difficult, a brutal divorce. So hard. So much suffering. So much pain. And yet, man, like I, I, my wife and I, we're in awe of our friend. She has remained steadfast, faithful to the Lord. She has that kind of view that Ruth has, that every day she steps out in faith, trusting that God is going to redeem her story. And she recognizes it all around, the way that God provides for her, financially, relationally, all these different things, the way that, she, that God provides for her children. And even in the midst of all these things, most of us would probably, if you met her, you'd never know the pain that, she, that she's gone through. And because God is at work, an incredible woman of faith. But God's not done with her story yet. God's not done with your story yet. And God's not done with Ruth's story yet. It's not gonna end with her gleaning in a field and having this odd relationship with this guy, Boaz. No, God's got something more. So maybe my encouragement for you today is to continue in that season. Maybe right now you're in that gleaning period and you're wanting to give up. You're wanting to become like Naomi, wanting to become bitter. My, maybe you're in that place. Perhaps today is the day where you turn back and see what God has done. Because God's at work in Naomi's life, just like he is in Ruth's. But sometimes we need the eyes to see, to lift our heads up and see what the Lord God is doing in our lives, how he's bringing redemption, reweaving that which is broken. Think about even Naomi in this story. She has her little arc of transformation from bitterness to redemption. 
And every day, Ruth's coming home and reporting back to her, having a little debrief. At the end of the day, they're sitting over there, gleaned dinner. And they're talking, and she's like, how was it today in the gleaning fields? You know, how was it, Ruth? And she's like, it was great. I got the best, the choicest place on the field. And I met this guy named Boaz, and he was really nice. He's very generous to me. He praised me. He gave me lots of good, nice compliments. He saw something in me, and, and you can see, like, when you read the story, you see kind of Naomi's wheels start to spin. She's like, Boaz. You know, Boaz is one of our family's redeemers our kinsman redeemer, our guardian redeemer, some of your translations say. Some of you, maybe you were here a couple weeks ago when Austin Payne was talking about the story of Judah and Tamar. We learned about this concept of a redeemer in a family, that God in his law set up this standard, this command that if someone, if there was a man who died and left his wife, a widow and childless, there was no heir, it was the responsibility of someone in that family to marry the widow as a way of God continuing the bloodline of that family to bring about redemption, to bring about redemption out of death and loss. And Judah and Tamar is a story of a failure of a family to be obedient to that and for God to have to step in and make it right. And now we have Boaz set up as this redeemer. And kind of the question we're wondering in all these, anyone who is reading the story who was from this time would be wondering, is Boaz going to do what Judah and his family was unwilling to do? And so Naomi begins to hatch this plan. You see this glimmer of hope in, in, in Naomi's life. And she says, okay, now this is where it gets kind of strange to us, but just stay with me. Here's what happens. So she says, okay, here's Ruth. Here's what you're going to do. Boaz is going to be working in the field at the threshing floor, processing the grain. We don't need to understand how that all works. Are, there's, is there a grain farmer in here that can help explain this to us? Okay, no, so we're good. So what had happened, they'd be processing the grain out in this place, and it was a hard, arduous task. It would happen at the end of the harvest, and they would even sleep out there. He would sleep out there just to like, so he'd work all day, have a meal, go to sleep, wake up, and start working again. So Naomi says, go out don't let yourself, don't be seen, stay hidden, watch Boaz. And when he goes to sleep, here's what you're going to do. You're going to, when he's asleep, you're going to take, he's going to be covered up in a little blankie. You're going to uncover his legs. And then you're going to lie down right next to him. Sound like a good first date to you? It's this bold plan. It's a very forward plan. Ruth, it's like, go take the next step. And sure enough, Ruth, a woman of faithfulness, a woman of trust and obedience, a woman who is righteous, she goes and she goes to the threshing floor. And you can just imagine she's just, she's out there, you know, watching Boaz work. He's working up a sweat. After a hard day's work, he prepares himself a meal and he gets ready for bed. He's brushing his teeth and Ruth's like, good, he's a hygienic guy, that's good. And Boaz, you know, gets his little grain bag pillow and his little blanket he lays down to sleep, and Ruth's just still waiting there. She's listening for the snores. Okay, he's snoring. It's not too loud. That's okay. And she goes out. She uncovers the bottom of his legs, and she lays down near his feet. Pretty romantic, right? Can you imagine? What would you be thinking if you were in Ruth's position? Like, Probably something like, what am I doing here? <laughs> What's going to happen? 
And Boaz, he wakes up. You've had that experience where you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, why am I awake? And Boaz realizes, like, my legs are really chilly. It's drafty out here. Why are they uncovered? And then he sees this form, this form in the darkness. Like, what is that? And then he realizes, wait, no, it's not what is that. Who is that? And he says, who's there? Here it is. Ruth says, hey, it's me. It's, it's Ruth. And in this moment, she makes this bold ask. She takes the next step. She says, will you redeem me? Will you take care of me? Will you love me? Will you provide for me? Will you redeem that which is broken? This is just like the climax of any rom-com. Boaz, of course, he's delighted. He's overjoyed. He's grateful. Ruth, I can't believe it's you. I can't believe you're here. Yes, I will redeem you. It's this powerful moment where out of this brokenness, out of all this suffering, out of all these hard things, that there's this redemption story being painted. And I'm going to have to breeze past some of the stuff in the middle here, but just know it's like any good rom-com. There's a couple little challenges in there, but we already know what the end is going to bring if you watch a movie like this. Because this book ends with the wedding of Ruth and Boaz. And it ends with the child of their relationship. It's a happy ending. It's a joyous ending. It's the ending that we're hoping for. And so we see this thing that Ruth, if you're a note taker, Ruth found joy because God is faithful to redeem all things. That's who our God is. That's what he does. That's what he did in Ruth's life. That's what he'll do in your life. That even out of death and destruction and sadness and loneliness and being an outcast, God redeemed her story. And here's the thing. Ruth's story is our story. God is still a redeemer. God is still at work. The same God then is the same God now, and he's doing a work in your life. And we know that for those of us who call in the name of the Lord, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, that we know that God is at work and that God will redeem all things, that God will bring joy in the midst of suffering, that God will do a great work in your life. If you're in the season of suffering, if you're in the season of gleaning, if you're in one of those places, a hard place, you've already seen it along the way. God at work in your life. God bringing blessing out of dust and ashes, and God will redeem you fully. And so we see in Ruth's life and in our lives that faithfulness to God is the antidote to bitterness, is the solution and is the conduit for joy. And we find joy in all these different circumstances, even out of dark and painful ones. And so it's interesting when we look at Ruth's life and we look at Naomi's life, we have Ruth who she doesn't really change in the story. She doesn't have a character arc because she starts faithful, she remains faithful, and her faithfulness is rewarded. She is the example. She is a virtuous, faithful woman. But we also have Naomi, who comes from a place, starts in a place of bitterness. And in the end, she, like her daughter-in-law, Ruth, are redeemed, are blessed, And the story ends with joy in Naomi's life. And for you, I don't know where you're at. Some of us are here. That's great. That even in the midst of trials, you look to the Lord God 
trust you, God. I'm faithful to you, God. I'm going to keep walking with you, God. Continue with that. Some of you are down here, and God sees you too, and God has just as much redemption for you too. God, I don't, where are you? God, why are you letting this happen? God has a story for you too. He's not done with you yet. He's bringing redemption to your life. I was thinking about a guy, uh, there's, a, there's a man from the church I was at the past couple of years, Community Presbyterian Church over in Danville. His name's Mike Sluice. Some of you might even know him. His son, Paul, used to come to our church. And Mike has been having this ongoing battle with cancer. A few years ago, he was diagnosed. He went through a lot of chemo. He went into remission. And now that cancer is back, and he's back in chemo. And Mike does this, like, sends out these regular email updates for the folks that are praying for him. And I asked Mike if I could share one with you. And he said, absolutely. Can I share it with you? Because Mike is a man of faith. Here's what Mike said. This week, I think I got it Tuesday. 19 months, left lung removed, 18 chemo treatments. I'm still going strong. Now I wait for my December 14th CT scan to show that the cancer is gone. Mike, we're praying for you. We love you. Praying that we will see that cancer be gone. He continues, this is all about Jesus. I'm just along for the ride. Again, I would not have made it this far without you, all my precious brothers and sisters. I've relied on many scriptures and choruses to buoy my spirits and reliance on God. Mike quotes the psalmist, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of cancer, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. This beautiful act of faith, reliance on God, even in a dark season of his life. He continues with a chorus, for a Salvation Army chorus. I'm in his hands, I'm in his hands. Whate'er the future holds, I'm in his hands. The days I cannot see have all been planned for me. His way is best, you see. I'm in his hands. Mike. My friend, I think about Mike as a man of faith. A man that understands, I mean, we pray for his healing. We pray for his restoration. We pray for redemption of his body. But at the same time, what's, we all know that there is an end to this life. And Mike and everyone in here who calls on the name of Jesus, you know that no matter what happens on this side, that we look forward to a life to come. A life of full redemption a life that's free of pain, of death, of suffering, of sadness. A life that's fully redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this morning as you leave, I want to leave you with some encouragements. Not something to do, but something to hold fast to. If you're a note taker, they'll be up on the screen. The first one is, God is a redeemer. God is a redeemer. That's who he is. That's what he does. And even in this season, the Christmas season is a story of redemption. That even though in the very beginning, Adam and Eve sinned and brought the fall, brought sin and death into the world, God even then began the story of redemption. And the beginning of the end of that story starts on Christmas. When God put on flesh and dwelt among us when Jesus was born, to live the perfect life, to pay the price for our sins on the cross. 
to be that ultimate, perfect, final redeemer in our lives. He died on that cross and rose three days later so that we might have forgiveness and life. God is a redeemer. That will never stop. Second thing I want to encourage you with is God honors our faithfulness. God honors our faithfulness. Like Ruth, stepping along, step by step by step, walking with the Lord, she saw the goodness of God. Maybe you're in a place like Naomi. Maybe you're in that place where it can be, feel bitter, where it can feel difficult. Maybe today you're for you to lift your head up. Ask God, show me your faithfulness. Help me to be faithful with you. God honors our faithfulness. Next, God, faith, God uses faithfulness to bring joy. That even along the way, even in dark seasons, there's these glimpses of joy that God gives us. One of my favorite verses in all the scriptures is in James. Chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of various kinds. Consider it joy when you're going through trials. Consider it joy when you have suffering. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. We have a God that redeems so completely that even in the midst of hard things, we can see joy. You see that in my friend Mike's email. There is joy in the midst of suffering. That's what God's promise is commitment to you. And lastly, just remember, God is using every part of your story to bring redemption. He uses the good things, the happy things, the fun things. He uses the hard things, the sad things, the painful things to bring redemption. He doesn't waste any of it. Some of you need that power today, that redeeming power of God. You know, I told you this story when we started. There was no king in Israel. But at the end of this story, we hear about the line of kings that came from the children of Boaz and Ruth, the genealogy. Here's what it says. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez is the son of Judah and Tamar. If God can redeem that story, he can redeem anything. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David, the greatest king in all of Israel. And so we see the redemptive power of God, the full redemption that he brings but even more than that, again, we're back to the genealogy of Jesus where we find people like Ruth and Boaz and David and that God wasn't even done when he brought the greatest king in all of Israel. He kept going and going to redeem his story, to redeem his people, to redeem you and me, to bring forth his son, Jesus the Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. So today, where do you need redemption? Where do you need redemption? Maybe today it's the, t the day where you step out in faith for the first time and trust in Jesus for your life. That you say, I've done it my way long enough. As one of my friends said during his baptism the other week, 
I'm going the Lord's way. I'm going God's way. I'm going all in. I'm stepping out in faith and trusting him with my very life. Maybe that's you. Maybe some of you, you need to lift your head up. You've experienced incredible hardship, but you've become bitter. And God still sees you and loves you, and he has an invitation. Will you trust me? Will you see the ways that I'm blessing you even right now and bringing joy in the midst of sadness? For some of you, it's the opportunity to continue on in that faithful walk with the Lord. But I promise you, no matter where you are, when you step out in faith, you're going to experience the joy of the Lord as he brings redemption to your life. Let's pray. So Lord God, we just thank you. We're so grateful that we have stories like this, stories of Ruth, stories of redemption. And that this entire book, this book, the scriptures, the Holy Bible, is a story of redemption. The Christmas season is a story of redemption. Our lives, if we trust in you, are stories of redemption. So Lord God, I pray that you would meet us right here. Maybe there's someone that have never put their faith and trust in you, and today is the day, like Ruth did all those years ago, my God will be your God to put their faith and trust in you for the very first time. Maybe for some of us today, we just need to step out in faith and see what you're doing. We're thinking about that Christmas table, the people that aren't there, the pain of our lives, and we're saying, Lord, I'm going to trust in you to redeem that which is broken. And Lord, we know that you're going to do that work, that you're going to redeem all things, you're going to bring joy to our lives, and whether it's this life or the life to come, we will be fully redeemed. So Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.